0: This is Your Preparation Station, encouraging hosts and empowering topics to equip you along the journey. Preparedness grounded in truth. Now on with the show.
1: The 21st Century Homekeeper is on the air. The 21st Century Homekeeper is about old-fashioned skills, and old-fashioned living, sit back, gather up the family, and listen in for useful tips and information on homesteading, homemaking, and all kinds of old-fashioned living skills. Hello and welcome to the 21st Century Homekeeper. I'm your hostess, Sylvia Britton. You can find me through the week at www.christianhomekeeper.org. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chknetwork. And you can also find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash chknet or Christian Home. I'm glad that you've joined me today. I'm just going to be talking to you a little bit today about the holidays, Christmas. We're going to talk about what Christmas is. We're going to talk about how to get ready for Christmas in your home. Uh, we're going to talk about maybe some changes that that you'd like to make, and some of these changes um, you're gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna resonate with you. And I'm going to give you some ideas about how to make those changes. I'm also going to share with you, if we have time, some recipes for gifts like lotions, aftershave, um, things like that. Um, I think you'll really like them. There's some salve recipes that I have and even some tinctures. So I'll share some of those with you today, too. And then we're going to talk a little bit about materialism. And I don't want to lecture you. I don't want to... Um, you know, sound like I'm fussing at you about something, I just want to share with you my journey and my family's journey away from materialism and how it affects Christmas for us. We do celebrate Christmas. We do celebrate the birth of Christ. I had a friend one time, a good friend, say to me that, well, she said we don't celebrate Christmas because it's not in the Bible and we're not instructed to celebrate his birth and um i respect that very much and i didn't you know i didn't say anything to my friend much we talked about it a little but i didn't try to rebut that i didn't try to argue with her about that um but i really got to thinking about it and and it resulted in a a long journey um, of prayer and searching about, you know, am I doing something that, you know, dishonors God? And so for me and my family, and this is, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, folks, but for me and my family, we prayerfully came to the decision that Christmas is a good thing. Um, One of the things that I came up on in my in my searching was um, the the book of esther and how uh, if you read the book of esther or you may have already read it and you know the story um, it, she was a very heroic person and and godly and brave person and um, so now um, after after Esther did what she did, the Jewish people created a holiday called Purim. And with Purim, they don't celebrate Esther. Uh, They celebrate God's faithfulness. And Purim was not a, a holiday that was ordained by God. And yet Jesus celebrated it. And you can look in the New Testament and find where he's celebrating that holiday. So it's a, it's a holiday that was created by man to lift up God and thank him and to celebrate who God is and what God has done for his people. And so I kind of look at Christmas like that. It's a holiday. It's a, it's a day of celebration and joy where we lift up God and we say thank you for what you've done. So, the problem then? What is? What's the problem then with Christmas? Well, the problem is we've we strayed so far away um, in the way that we celebrate Christmas, and so I want to give you some ideas uh, so that you don't feel like you know like I did at, at one point in my life many years ago. I, I felt like I was trying to outdo uh, other people in their in giving, and uh, with either expensive or complicated gifts. And we had one Christmas where our oldest children were very small where I did experience uh, that phenomena where a child opens up a present and tosses it aside and asks, what's next? And that was a major turning point for us, uh, and we knew you know, we were doing it wrong. And so... We didn't want to be uh, unable to stop and enjoy and appreciate each gift that someone gave us. We we wanted our children to think about the, the sacrifice perhaps that went into that gift or the thought that went behind it. Um, You know, children just act out what they know. They act out how they feel. And so it's up to us adults to set the mood and the tone of Christmas. It's up to us to to lead the way in celebrating God's gift of Jesus Christ. And it's up to us to make family and friendship and thankfulness the main part of our celebration. If you ever watch the television shows, um, Little House on the Prairie, well then you probably saw the christmas specials and um, christmas is portrayed at this time uh, in history and this was 1770s and 1780s early 1790s uh, i'm sorry 1870s 1880s and 1890s i'll tell you why i said that here in just a minute Um so it, it it was during that time, and Christmas was a sweet, uncomplicated time of warmth, the way it was portrayed in these TV shows. It was a time of joy and peace, and I think that's why we gravitate you know, toward uh, the little house Christmas. And we we say we want that kind of Christmas. There's a lot of truth in what Mrs. Wilder wrote, uh, in those books and we wanna capture, we wanna recapture those precious times and emotions and experiences for our family today. So let me tell you why I said seventeen hundreds instead of eighteen hundreds. I am busy hand sewing an 18th century shirt for a family member. So so my mind is all wrapped around 18th century, which is 1700s right now. Sorry about that. So what do you need? What do you need to create that feeling of a little house Christmas in your home? I think you need four or five ingredients, You need love. That's the main ingredient. Because, you know, without love, what's the point, right? What's what's the point of even having Christmas? Um, So any kind of changes that you make in your Christmas celebration, let it be done with love. Let it be done with respect and care for others in in your mind, because you may be all gung ho and on board with changing the way that you celebrate Christmas, but Christmas is one of those things that becomes very precious to people. And uh, even if it seems meager to someone else, our Christmas is precious to us, and so we don't we don't accept change in that uh, very readily. The next thing we need is warmth. And if you live someplace where it's warm at Christmas time, um like Australia, and I do have listeners in Australia. Um <laughs> I mean it's not just the warmth of the home the the temperature wise but the tone and the feeling throughout the home and in colder climates you know we can bring that feeling of warmth with candles and fire in the fireplace and something good cooking and we can bring that warmth with blankets and fuzzy fuzzy socks and things like that hot chocolate if you but but you know when you live in a place that's warm at christmas time You begin to realize, and so I'm told, that the warmth of your home really comes through people and how they express their love and their care for each other um, and how they make the home an inviting place. The next thing that you need is a small to moderate amount of resources, including some money. Now, most of the ideas that I'm going to offer you today are very inexpensive, but they do take some planning, and they do take some kind of resources. So you've got to have at least a small amount of resources um, to invest in a Christmas celebration. And then you've got to have willing hands to work, you know, homemade Homemade anything is not instant, is it? If you make homemade bread, you know that it takes three, four hours to get that bread done. If you crochet or sew or knit or if you make handmade ornaments, uh, you know that it takes time. And so homemade not in- instant. It takes work. But when everyone in the household gets involved, it's more fun. And when everyone gets involved, everyone everyone takes a part. It draws you together as a family. And then finally, you're going to have to have a willingness to leave at least some of your materialism behind. And some of you are saying right now, I'm not materialistic. I mean, we have a very modest Christmas, and we are not materialistic people. Well... That may be true. That may be totally true. But let me just tell you this. I didn't think we were materialistic either until I came face to face with it and realized how much materialism had crept into our lives, especially at Christmas. A willing to leave that materialism behind can take time. Um, but don't let it deter you from making a few small changes this year. You can, you can make your own journey away from materialism, uh, and it will be um, one of the best things you've ever done. Um, there's a whole lot more to creating a, a quiet, peaceful, unmaterialistic Christmas than just doing something different, though. Here's some of the main things that it means. It means scaling down your gift giving, changing the things that you give and the way that you give. It means instead of giving purchased, expensive, electronic, or elaborate gifts, you're going to be giving from your heart, which means a well-thought-out, perhaps very simple gift. And this can be a challenge. I I know that it can be a challenge in a lot of ways. So if this is the kind of thing you want to do for Christmas, be sure to prepare your family for any kind of changes that you're going to make. And if your children don't enthusiastically jump on the bandwagon and if your spouse doesn't enthusiastically embrace your ideas, um, don't get your feelings hurt because it can really take time for people to warm up and understand uh, this kind of giving. Now, let's let's um, take a short break and uh, when we come back we'll talk a little bit uh, about simple decorations and things like that for your home this Christmas.
0: Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by Ranch-Coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-Coop.com. This is your Preparation Station. Now on with the show.
1: Welcome back to the 21st Century Homekeeper. This is Sylvia Britton. I'm glad you've joined me. And we're talking about scaling back on Christmas. That little house Christmas. Peaceful, simple, warm Christmas. Everybody likes to decorate a little bit. A few years ago, um, I got rid of almost all of my sparkly, I don't want to say gaudy, <laughs> but some of them were. But I liked them, you know, and decorations. They were just, they were kind of, some of them were over the top. Um, but I got rid of them. I, I gave a lot of it to charity. I gave my adult children whatever they wanted of it. I took all of the ornaments off the tree and boxed them up by child, except for my my ornaments, you know, ornaments that I had before I had children. But all the ones that they made and all the ones that we bought when they were little, they I boxed them up each in a plastic shoe box and put their name on it. And then when they moved out, they got their box of ornaments that went with them. So I've only got two more boxes left here at home. So then I you know pretty much had a bear tree, so I decided okay, now um we're we're gonna have a, a a more simple uh household decoration thing going and so I got my youngest daughter involved with me, and we decorated with natural items, evergreens. Um, magnolia leaves, holly, holly berries. I use nandina berries. They're red, and I have a lot of nandina plants. They're just ornamental landscaping plants. And so I have a lot of those, and um, I clipped those and brought them in. They're beautiful, and you can spray them with hairspray, and it helps make them stay on the little stems longer, and it also gives them a little gloss um, so that they... Are shiny and because they're natural, they are going to start to deteriorate. But the hairspray kind of helps them not to deteriorate very quickly. So candles and pine cones and um, my husband's mother has hemlock trees in her yard. And if you know anything about hemlock, the little pine, the little cones for a hemlock are tiny, tiny. And so I gathered up hundreds and hundreds of them, and I put uh, some in a big jar with um, a candle, and then I put some in a jar with a few red, tiny red ornaments. and Then I put greenery everywhere and reeds that we had made. So that more closely expresses who I am. uh, It pleases me to see my house decorated in that way, and it's very pretty. It's very attractive. We also, um, I made a lot of clove apples. And clove oranges, you've probably seen the standard clove oranges. You use a very tiny crochet hook. Don't use a bigger crochet hook or the cloves won't stay in the holes, but you poke holes in a pattern all over your orange or your apple, and then you take whole cloves and poke them in those holes. You use the crochet hook to poke holes all over. And then you can go back and fill them with a clove, clove, and that's it. Um, Some people, you know, they kind of get juicy as you're poking holes, and some people roll them in cinnamon. Uh, and the the juice makes the cinnamon stick to the orange or the apple. So you can make a bunch of those. You put them in a bowl. It makes your house smell great. There are a lot of um, uh, potpourri recipes all over the Internet. You can find any kind of potpourri recipe you want. One of my favorite ones, though, has rosemary and lemon peel and vanilla, and you would not believe how good that smells. Um, I think if you look it up, its um, I think it is the Williams-Sonoma store signature scent. Um, but it's, and I think it's got a bay leaf in it. It smells wonderful, and it makes your whole house smell good. You can uh, just simmer it in some water on the back of your stove, or you could put it on a, a cookie sheet and um, put it in the oven like that. All right, now let me give you a couple of recipes here. These are recipes um, that I have actually made. I have, I have made these. They're very, very good, and um, I've had a lot of success with them. Well, the, first, the first one is a calendula lotion. And I'm going to give you just the basic, um, just the basic recipe for the lotion. And what I encourage you to do is, if, just in case you don't get the whole recipe and you can't write it all down, you can always go back and listen to it again. But if you like, you can look it up online. I mean, I don't have a patent on the calendula lotion or anything, and there are lots of different recipes. So let's let me. Uh, Give you an example, uh, and then if if you want to look it up online, I'm sure you'll find a good one. Okay, so calendula is a flower, and you're going to need four ounces of some kind of oil that's infused with calendula flowers. Now, I buy calendula flowers at Mountain Rose Herbs uh, at MountainRoseHerbs.com. I think it is. I don't get any money for, for <laughs> from them for mentioning them. They're just a good business, Mountain Rose Herbs. And um, I, I order everything that I don't grow myself, I order it from them. I, I have always been very pleased. So I, I ordered calendula blossoms from them, and I took a... Um, pint jar, and I put four ounces of very light olive oil in that. You could use almond oil if you like. And then I put calendula blossoms and mashed them down in the oil until I couldn't get any more blossoms in there. And then I let that sit for two weeks Then I strained it out and squeezed those blossoms and now I have this oil and the oil kind of turns yellowish. Then you want um, about two and a half ounces of water and I use distilled water because it's very pure, it has nothing in it and you're going to be putting this on your skin. So that's a good thing since you're not ingesting it. Distilled water is fine. I use a half ounce of beeswax, which I grate very finely. I use a half ounce of vegetable glycerin, a half ounce of witch hazel, a quarter teaspoon of grapefruit seed extract. Now, you don't have to use that, but it is an antibacterial essential oil. And then I use 15 drops of whatever kind of essential oil you want it to smell like. Um, Lavender is a good one. My mother used to love this lotion made with rosemary essential oil, it smells delicious and clean. Uh, and it's a very nice oil. Anytime you're making lotion, be sure you sterilize everything, your jars and all of your equipment. I, I sterilize everything by boiling it in a big pot of water and then I drain it. It's not vital that you do this, but it will ward off bacterial growth and it could extend the life of your lotion. So you're going to pour the uh, water. Um, Well, you're going to measure out your oil, I'm sorry, and your beeswax. Um, I do everything by weight, measure it all out, and I put them in a uh, double boiler. And I melt the oil with the beeswax. Then I take it off the heat and let it cool um, to room temperature. The beeswax won't harden because, see, it's been dispersed in the oil. So it won't really harden. It might get a little thick, but it won't get it won't get hard. Then I put all of the other ingredients in, and I zhush it up with a stick blender. Those things are marvelous for making lotion. And then the more you zhush, the fluffier your lotion becomes. And then you want to um, let it cool as you're zushing it around and it gets thick and then you're going to put it into some kind of a jar. And I always sterilize the jars that I put the lotion in as well. And that's it. I mean, it's that easy to make make that. The next recipe that I want to share with you is um, one that I made with my uh, number two son. Uh, It's It's a aftershave called Bay Rum, and um, let me read the recipe to you. It's really good stuff. Um, I don't. There are so many different recipes for Bay Rum aftershave online. So many different ones, and I'm sure that if you look it up, like me, like I did, I looked it up online, I'm sure you can find something that you like, and the thing is with Bay Rum, what we've discovered is as long as you're using um, rum and some other kind of alcohol or witch hazel, as long as you're using that, everything else that goes in it is pretty much like just up to you. You know it's just whatever you want to use, so you can um, you can make a big batch like we did um, or you can make a a really small batch um, all right let me get up pull up my recipe now, like I said this is this is this recipe these recipes you find them all over the internet, and I tweaked what I found and made it smell the way I wanted it smelled smell, the way I wanted my husband to smell. Um, and it's wonderful. So I used eight ounces of vodka, and I used the really cheapo Taka vodka. Eight ounces of rum, and you want dark rum. It doesn't matter what kind of rum, because I don't drink it, so I don't care. I just got a small bottle of dark rum. And then about 20 drops, 20 to 40, drops of Bay West Indies essential oil. Now, that's not like the stuff you cook with. It's different. And you will have to go somewhere that, that uh, sells the Bay, the West Indies Bay rum essential oil. I got mine at Mountain Rose Herbs. Uh, a quarter teaspoon of allspice. I used a half teaspoon of allspice berries, and I crushed them. I used two sticks of cinnamon, I used about a quarter of a teaspoon of dried cloves, which is about, what, four or five whole cloves, and I popped them in the mortar and pestle with the allspice, I used the zest of two limes. And then I used a quarter teaspoon of whole black peppercorns, which I also crushed in the mortar and pestle. And then I used a half a teaspoon of vanilla extract. I used the home, my homemade vanilla extract. I put it all together, shook it up, and let it sit on the counter. It's still sitting there on the counter. It's waiting for me to put it in little bottles. Before I put it in the little bottles, I'll add a teaspoon of glycerin and stir it up after it's strained, and then bottle it up. And we made little labels for our bottles and everything. so simple. And you've got time if you want to make it now. You've got time uh, to make it before gift-giving time comes around. So I hope you'll try that. (laughs) We're going to take another little break, and then when we come back, I'm going to talk to you some more about some things you can make uh, for gift-giving at Christmas time.
0: National Geographic traveled all the way to Boone, North Carolina to select Turtle Island Preserve, a nonprofit outdoor discovery center and Appalachian Heritage Farm as one of the 100 most enriching destinations in North America. For over 26 years, families have gained enrichment while discovering nature, and more importantly, themselves. In a world where digital screens and push buttons have replaced actual contact with nature, Turtle Island's beautiful campus and knowledgeable staff reconnect its guests to their natural roots. While camping out, visitors learn vast amounts in our non-electric, wood-fired community. Hundreds of hands-on classes are offered, such as beekeeping, woodworking, primitive skills, and more, covering the gamut of early traditional living. A program for fathers and sons kicks off the summer season, followed by a five-day workshop for adults with renowned naturalist and director Eustace Conway. Turtle Island is a great destination for scouts, school field trips, homeschool, and special interest groups. Please visit our website and then visit our paradise, turtleislandpreserve.org, or call 828-265-2267.
2: Here's how you can save $10 on the mill of your choice. Go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store and use the promo code radio at checkout. That's R-A-D-I-O at checkout or you can call 828-536-4988 during weekday business hours and get the same savings by phone. Either way your order is shipped to your door without shipping charges. Remember You can go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store or call 828-536-4988 and use the promo code radio.
0: This is your preparation station. Now on with the show.
1: Welcome back to the 21st Century Homekeeper. This is Sylvia Britton. Let's keep talking about things we can make for Christmas. This is a salve, and it's, it's like a, for rashes. It's, it's a, man, it's, it's just good for almost everything. Dry skin, uh, bees, sting, it can help. Mosquito bites, insect bites, of all kinds. Or just nondescript rashes, uh, dermatitis, contact dermatitis and I'm not a doctor or dermatologist or anything else, but this is what this is what we use. You'll need one ounce of beeswax, it's about a tablespoonful, grated, real fine. You'll need four or five ounces of some kind of oil That's about eight tablespoons. You'll need two teaspoons of vitamin E oil, three drops of tea tree oil, and about five drops of lavender essential oil. Now, lavender essential oil smells really good, but it also it has some antibacterial qualities. And, of course, the tea tree oil has antibacterial qualities. The vitamin E oil has healing properties. Now, you want to take your four to five ounces of some kind of oil, like almond oil, olive oil, jojoba, avocado, coconut oil, shea butter, whatever you like. You want to take that. And you want to put it in a small pan and melt it. And into that oil, you want to put some healing herb. And you are if you're not familiar with herbs, you're going to think that I'm crazy from what I'm about to tell you. But if you are familiar with herbs, then you're going to say, yeah, yeah, that's right. Go out into your yard and look for plantain. And if you don't know what plantain is, get online and Learn. And go outside and pull uh, about two cups, mashed down tight, of plantain leaves. Bring them in. Put them in the oil in your little pan and let it simmer. Let it simmer about 20 minutes. Take it off the heat. You can crush those plantain leaves with a pestle or, or a wooden spoon. Strain it so that you don't have any more plantain leaves or bits and pieces left in your oil. And then that oil, to that oil, add your beeswax, your vitamin E oil, your tea tree oil, and your lavender essential oil. Stir it up. Pour it into your prepared jars or tins. And this, um, this particular recipe will make about four ounces of salve. So if you've got two ounces, jars or two-ounce tins. It's perfect for that. And this is the best stuff ever. makes wonderful gifts. And you can make yourself a little label for the top or even just write on the top with um, a Sharpie what it is. And then turn it over after it's cooled and write on the bottom the ingredients so people will know what's in it. That's all I've got for you today, actually, I could sit here and talk to you half the day, but that's all I'm going to bring to you today. I hope you'll join me again next week because next week we're going to talk more about things that you can make for yourself, um, including hopefully uh mother's milk tea homemade. Mother's Milk Tea. It's some great stuff, especially if you know a new mom who's trying to nurse. Um, have a great week and come back and see me here on the on the 21st Century Homekeeper. Come and see me online at org, or on Facebook, if you like. Come and see me. Uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash Christian Homekeeper. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. You've been listening to the 21st Century Homekeeper. Tune in again next week for more old-fashioned living information. And be sure to visit me on the Christian Homekeeper blog at www.christianhomekeeper.org. Tune
0: in again soon. This is your preparation station. Speaking hope,
1: not hype, and facts, not fear. Preparedness grounded in truth.